This is section twenty seven of More Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Golden Era, July third, eighteen sixty four. Early Rising as Regards Excursions to the Cliff House. Read by John Greenman. Early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Benjamin Franklin. I don't see it. George Washington. Now, both of these are high authorities, very high and respectable authorities. But I am with General Washington first, last, and all the time on this proposition, because I don't see it either. I have tried getting up early, and I have tried getting up late, and the latter agrees with me best. As for a man's growing any wiser, or any richer, or any healthier by getting up early, I know it is not so, because I have got up early in the station-house many and many a time, and got poorer and poorer for the next half a day in consequence, instead of richer and richer. And sometimes, on the same terms, I have seen the sun rise four times a week up there at Virginia and so far from my growing healthier on account of it, I got to looking blue and pulpy and swelled like a drowned man, and my relations grew alarmed and thought they were going to lose me. They entirely despaired of my recovery at one time, and began to grieve for me as one whose days were numbered, whose fate was sealed, who was soon to pass away from them forever and from the glad sunshine and the birds and the odorous flowers and murmuring brooks and whispering winds and all the cheerful signs of life and go down into the dark and silent tomb and they went forth sorrowing and jumped a lot in the graveyard and made up their minds to grin and bear it with that fortitude which is the true christian's brightest ornament you observe that i have put a stronger test on the matter than even benjamin franklin contemplated and yet it would not work therefore how is a man to grow healthier and wealthier and wiser by going to bed early and getting up early when he fails to accomplish these things even when he does not go to bed at all and as far as becoming wiser is concerned you might put all the wisdom I acquired in these experiments in your eye, without obstructing your vision any to speak of. As I said before, my voice is with George Washington's on this question. Another philosopher encouraged the world to get up at sunrise because it is the early bird that catches the worm. It is a seductive proposition, and well calculated to trap the unsuspecting but its attractions are all wasted on me, because I have no use for the worm. If I had, I would adopt the unreliable's plan. He was much interested in this quaint proverb, and directed the powers of his great mind to its consideration for three or four consecutive hours. He was supposing a case. He was supposing, for instance, that he really wanted the worm that the possession of the worm was actually necessary to his happiness, that he yearned for it and 
hankered after it therefore as much as a man could yearn for and hanker after a worm under such circumstances and he was supposing further that he was opposed to getting up early in order to catch it which was much the more plausible of the two suppositions well at the end of three or four hours profound meditation upon the subject the unreliable rose up and said if he were so anxious about the worm and he couldn't get along without him and he didn't want to get up early in the morning to catch him why then by george he would just lay for him the night before i never would have thought of that i looked at the youth and said to myself he is malicious and dishonest and unhandsome and does not smell good yet how quickly do these trivial demerits disappear in the shadow when the glare from his great intellect shines out above them i have always heard that the only time in the day that a trip to the cliff house could be thoroughly enjoyed was early in the morning and i suppose it might be as well to withhold an adverse impression while the flow tide of public opinion continues to set in that direction i tried it the other morning with harry the stockbroker rising at four a m to delight in the following described things to wit a road unencumbered by carriages and free from wind and dust a bracing atmosphere the gorgeous spectacle of the sun in the dawn of his glory the fresh perfume of flowers still damp with dew a solitary drive on the beach while its smoothness was yet unmarred by wheel or hoof and a vision of white sails glinting in the morning light far out at sea these were the considerations and they seemed worthy a sacrifice of seven or eight hours sleep we sat in the stable and yawned and gaped and stretched until the horse was hitched up and then drove out into the bracing atmosphere when another early voyage is proposed to me i want it understood that there is to be no bracing atmosphere in the program i can worry along without it in half an hour we were so thoroughly braced up with it that it was just a scratch that we were not frozen to death then the harness came unshipped or got broken or something and i waxed colder and drowsier while harry fixed it i am not fastidious about clothes but i am not used to wearing fragrant sweaty horse blankets and not partial to them either i am not proud though when i am freezing and i added the horse blanket to my overcoats and tried to wake up and feel warm and cheerful it was useless however all my senses slumbered and continued to slumber save the sense of smell when my friend drove past suburban gardens and said the flowers never exhaled so sweet an odor before in his experience i dreamily but honestly endeavored to think so too but in my secret soul i was conscious that they only smelled like horse blankets when another early voyage is proposed to me i want it understood that there is to be no fresh perfume of flowers in the program either i do not enjoy it my senses are not attuned to the flavor there is too much horse about it and not enough eau de cologne the wind was cold and benumbing and blew with such force that we could hardly make headway against it 
it came straight from the ocean and i think there are icebergs out there somewhere true there was not much dust because the gale blew it all to oregon in two minutes and by good fortune it blew no gravel stones so to speak only one of any consequence i believe a three-cornered one it struck me in the eye i have it there yet however it does not matter for the future i suppose i can manage to see tolerably well out of the other still when another early voyage is proposed to me i want it understood that the dust is to be put in and the gravel left out of the program i might want my other eye if i continue to hang on until my time comes and besides i shall not mind the dust much hereafter because i have only got to shut one eye now when it is around no the road was not encumbered by carriages we had it all to ourselves i suppose the reason was that most people do not like to enjoy themselves too much and therefore they do not go out to the cliff-house in the cold and the fog and the dread silence and solitude of four o'clock in the morning they are right the impressive solemnity of such a pleasure trip is only equalled by an excursion to lone mountain in a hearse whatever of advantage there may be in having that cliff-house road all to yourself we had but to my mind a greater advantage would be, lie in dividing it up in small sections among the entire community because in consequence of the repairs in progress on it just now it is as rough as a corduroy bridge in a good many places and consequently the less you have of it the happier you are likely to be and the less shaken up and disarranged on the inside wherefore when another early voyage is proposed to me i want it understood that the road is not to be unencumbered with carriages but just the reverse so that the balance of the people shall be made to stand their share of the jolting and the desperate lonesomeness of the thing from the moment we left the stable almost the fog was so thick that we could scarcely see fifty yards behind or before or overhead and for a while as we approached the cliff house we could not see the horse at all and were obliged to steer by his ears which stood up dimly out of the dense white mist that enveloped him but for those friendly beacons we must have been cast away and lost i have no opinion of a six-mile ride in the clouds but if ever i have to take another i want to leave the horse in the stable and go in a balloon i shall prefer to go in the afternoon also when it is warm so that i may gape and yawn and stretch if i am drowsy without disarranging my horse blanket and letting in a blast of cold wind we could scarcely see the sportive seals out on the rocks writhing and squirming like exaggerated maggots and there was nothing soothing in their discordant barking to a spirit so depressed as mine was harry took a cocktail at the cliff house but i scorned such ineffectual stimulus i yearned for fire and there was none there they were about to make one but the barkeeper looked altogether too cheerful for me i could not bear his unnatural happiness in the midst of such a ghastly picture of fog and damp and frosty surf and dreary solitude i could not bear the sacrilegious presence of a pleasant face at such a time 
it was too much like sprightliness at a funeral and we fled from it down the smooth and vacant beach we had that all to ourselves too like the road and i want it divided up also hereafter we could not drive in the roaring surf and seem to float abroad on the foamy sea as one is wont to do in the sunny afternoon because the very thought of any of that icy-looking water splashing on you was enough to congeal your blood almost we saw no white-winged ships sailing away on the billowy ocean with the pearly light of morning descending upon them like a benediction because the fog had the bulge on the pearly light as the unreliable observed when i mentioned it to him afterwards and we saw not the sun in the dawn of his glory for the same reason hill and beach and sea and sun were all wrapped in a ghostly mantle of mist and hidden from our mortal vision when another early voyage is proposed to me i want it understood that the sun in his glory and the morning light and the ships at sea and all that sort of thing are to be left out of the program so that when we fail to see them we shall not be so infernally disappointed we were human icicles when we got to the ocean house and there was no fire there either i banished all hope then and succumbed to despair i went back on my religion and sought surcease of sorrow in soothing blasphemy i am sorry i did it now but it was a great comfort to me then we could have had breakfast at the ocean house but we did not want it can statues of ice feel hunger but we adjourned to a private room and ordered red-hot coffee and it was a sort of balm to my troubled mind to observe that the man who brought it was as cold and as silent and as solemn as the grave itself his gravity was so impressive and so appropriate and becoming to the melancholy surroundings that it won upon me and thawed out some of the better instincts of my nature and i told him he might ask a blessing if he thought it would lighten him up any because he looked as if he wanted to very bad but he only shook his head resignedly and sighed that coffee did the business for us it was made by a master artist and it had not a fault and the cream that came with it was so rich and thick that you could hardly have strained it through a wire fence as the generous beverage flowed down our frigid throats our blood grew warm again our muscles relaxed our torpid bodies awoke to life and feeling anger and uncharitableness departed from us and we were cheerful once more we got good cigars also at the ocean house and drove into town over a smooth road lighted by the sun and unclouded by fog near the jewish cemeteries we turned a corner too suddenly and got upset but sustained no damage although the horse did what he honestly could to kick the buggy out of the state while we were groveling in the sand we went on down to the steamer and while we were on board the buggy was upset again by some outlaw and an axle broken however these little accidents and all the deviltry and misfortune that preceded them were only just and natural consequences of the absurd experiment of getting up at an hour in the morning when all god-fearing christians ought to be in bed 
i consider that the man who leaves his pillow deliberately at sunrise is taking his life in his own hands and he ought to feel proud if he don't have to put it down again at the coroner's office before dark now for that early trip i am not any healthier or any wealthier than i was before and only wiser in that i know a good deal better than to go and do it again and as for all those notable advantages such as the sun in the dawn of his glory and the ships and the perfume of the flowers etc 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 i don't see them any more than myself and washington see the soundness of benjamin franklin's attractive little poem if you go to the cliff house at any time after seven in the morning you cannot fail to enjoy it but never start out there before daylight under the impression that you are going to have a pleasant time and come back insufferably healthier and wealthier and wiser than your betters on account of it because if you do you will miss your calculation and it will keep you swearing about it right straight along for a week to get even again put no trust in the benefits to accrue from early rising as set forth by the infatuated franklin but stake the last cent of your substance on the judgment of old george washington the father of his country who said he couldn't see it and you hear me endorsing that sentiment end of the golden era july third eighteen sixty four read by john greenman